0: Hi, I'm Selena Allen, and with me is Mac. Hello there. Uh, welcome to Time to Adapt, where we break down movies and the books behind them. Uh, to, since it's still spook month, horror, it's almost Halloween.
1: Yikes.
0: Uh, the day of all <laughs> things spooky. We're still sticking with horror, and today we're going to be talking about Dracula.
1: Yes, quite so.
0: Specifically, like we're going to go over... Um, the multiple like just briefly some of the multiple like adaptations over time because there's just way too many to go in depth with but we're going to mainly focus on the book and then um bram stoker's uh dracula the
1: 1992 version just all right yeah you know. so a bunch of so a couple of uh, quick things about the about the book itself it was published on may 26 1897 well, for those who haven't actually
0: read the book, let's just like give you a quick. Like, everybody kind of has the idea of what Dracula is about. It's some mm-hmm. spoopy old ass dude who's a vampire, <laughs> <laughs> goes to London, wreaks havoc. But the story actually starts off with Jonathan Harker. He's an English lawyer, and he travels to Castle Dracula in Tran- to Transylvania to conclude like a real estate transaction with Count Dracula. And as he spends time there, like, creepy stuff starts to happen. And later, um, like, he's frightened, but he's like, you know what? I'm going to continue doing this. Like, I'm going to stay here. But then he realizes that he's uh, effectively a prisoner in the castle. Um, As he kind of investigates the nature of, like, his confinement, like, he becomes more uneasy and then, uh, like, there's that scene in the book where it's, like, the three female vampires who kind of just, like, attack him. Yeah. <laughs> um, he does escape. And meanwhile, like, his fiance Mina, and her friend, Lucy, they're kind of uh, dealing with stuff in London. And then in the end of the book, relatively the end of the book, all three party, like,
1: well, did you want to say something? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I found interesting about the book itself is that it's not written like a normal book. It's written through letters. Yes. It's written through diary entries. So like the, the first parts of Jonathan Harker, it's him like detailing his trip from London to through Budapest into Transylvania to the castle. And then him constantly like writing more letters discussing things going on at the castle. His, slowly, his slow suspicions over what's been going on and the real reason he's there. Um, and then the stuff with Mina, it's from her perspective, and there's also the perspective of Lucy, as well as Dr. Van Helsing. and Who um... appears
0: later on when uh, Lucy, like, Dracula, he heads to London, and there's a shipwreck, and then it finds that the crew have all Perished, and then Dracula starts to kind of try and uh, win Lucy over and finally does. And then uh, she transforms into one of his vampires. Yes, so by the end, they do def- Harker, Van Helsing, and then several other characters uh, to save Mina, destroy Dracula. So that's just quick fast summary of the book if nobody's you know, if someone hasn't read it before. Yeah. But yeah, as uh, Mac was saying that it was published in May twenty sixth, nineteen eighty uh nineteen ninety seven, sorry. Eighteen
1: ninety seven. Eighteen ninety seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I it's a Batman Forever release date. Yeah, no, never mind, that's a totally different film. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, so um As as, as most people know, the character of Dracula has become one of the most recognizable faces in cinema history. So because of this, the book has inspired numerous theatrical um, film and television interpretations. Mm -hmm. There there have been adaptations that have gone on there as far back as, I believe, 1921. There was a Hungarian version called Dracula Lives.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And that version is considered lost to this day. Nobody knows where uh, what happened to it. And it's considered a destroyed film, aside from, like, two or three production stills.
0: Yeah. and But actually, back in the day when uh, he first wrote the book, it wasn't as big of a hit as, I guess, considered now. It wasn't a huge popular culture mm-hmm. um, icon. like uh, During um, when the uh, book first came out, uh, it was part of like a literary genre called um, invasion literature, which was very popular during the day. And so a lot of Victorian audiences were used to this kind of adventure story. It was a, uh, it was a hit, but it wasn't as popular as we consider the character Dracula now. It only became popular when the film um, adaptations first came out. Um, He did base a lot of the book off of Eastern European folklore. And as a lot of people already know, the character Dracula was based off of, or loosely based off of Vlad the Impaler. Some historians do disagree with that because
1: they're like, there's no evidence of it. But... And to those of you who are not aware, (laughs) Vlad the Impaler was a vicious, vicious human being. He, um... During, um, I can't remember exactly which crusades it was, but during the four, was 1400s, 1500s? 14. 1400s. Fourteen, yeah. For, no, it was around, uh, between 1432 and 1462. Um, Dracula, Vlad, Vlad the Impaler would, um, put his enemies on poles and stick them <laughs> upwards. And there were, there were wood cuttings that depict him eating his dinner amongst all of these dead people. And some of them still alive, trying to push themselves down to get off. Delightful, very delightful. (laughs) Because of that, there's his original castle, which still stands to this day, is considered haunted, and is considered one of like a place that nobody wants to go. It was it wasn't until a couple of years ago, actually, when the um, site Airbnb started (laughs) up. This is this is is a true story. Airbnb set up a. like a uh, a contest. And the winner would get to go to this castle and spend a night in a coffin in Dracula's castle. That does not sound comfortable at all. No. <laughs> but what is funny is when the actor Idris Elba did an AMA on Reddit, <laughs> they shot part of a, the second Ghost Rider film, which mm-hmm. I know all of you have seen, in Transylvania, in parts of Romania. And one night... Nick Cage decided to leave the set and go and like jump the fence, go into Dracula's castle, and just sleep on the floor. And As this Nick is from Cage, what Idris though. Elba says: "Like, yeah, I just went and uh, slept in Dracula's castle that night, you know." <laughs> so that's just so, so, some fun facts about the <laughs> castle. <laughs> it's been, it's been, it's the one true God has lived in it. So you know. Yeah. <laughs> but on, on top of that. Um, Yes, the book itself did not sell very well, so almost immediately, Stoker, who owned, I believe he owned a play, like, like a play, he owned a playhouse. In no, um, he worked
0: at a playhouse. He worked at a playhouse
1: in in England,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or was it Ireland? Yeah, it think, was England. England, and was like trying really hard to get um, the book turned into a sort of a play.
0: Yeah, he wrote the he wrote a play, uh, a theatrical like adaptation of it, but. Uh, he, he wasn't able to put it on stage, right? so. Yeah. But yeah, he uh, he did continue to write until his death in 1912. He produced several other venture novels, but of course, the one book that he's known for is Dracula.
1: Lair of the White Worm, though, is an interesting book. If you ever find it, it's it's weird, but it's good. Yeah.
0: So, uh, what were your thoughts when like reading? Because you'd read it before before uh, we decided to. Yes, so
1: rereading it, how was that? Well, it's very different because I got my start with this book, in with a series called Great Illustrated Classics. So they Dude, would, I know. Mm, <laughs> yep. So um, what they would do is I can't remember the company, but they would take books that were in the public domain, mm-hmm. and they would basically cut them down, bridge them, abridge them like crazy, and make them more like not child friendly, but like. More friendly for one to for, – for, like, young adults to read. So, young adults, basically
0: almost child-friendly.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And so I had read that version of Dracula mm-hmm. when I was around 11 years old. And I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but I didn't remember a lot of it except for the end because there's this bit where uh, – dracula goes invisible it's really a creepy little moment Mm -hmm. and i remember that and i remember the the illustration of him looking like that so it's always been with me and there's that there's um, some i've i've i hold the old dracula films very close to my heart um i love whenever there's a new interpretation of him i'm always excited and fascinated to see what happens, how they mm-hmm. how they take it on. And there are some cases where it's fantastic, you know, with like Bela Lugosi, Christopher Lee, um, in some cases Gary Oldman. And then there's some there's some pretty awful ones like Gerard Butler and uh Luke, um Luke Evans and Richard Roxborough and Van Helsing, where he basically plays this like ballerina Dracula. It's hilarious. <laughs> so anyway, um so going back to like the book the book yes um i've i noticed so when harker gets to the castle there's a lot of stuff where um he's like the way he talks with dracula and dracula keeps him there and his plot is just to you know feed on him until he until he's like too weak to leave and then just like let him die and give him to his brides basically yeah um, and there's a lot of I noticed I don't know if this was what Stoker was planning but I saw a lot of homoerotic <laughs> undertones in that with just the whole like oh Jonathan why don't you stay here and like there's a bit where uh, like Jonathan's laying down and he's sleeping and then he can see like Dracula looming over him and starting yep. to feed on his neck and he just he just he just lays there and well, lets he can't it move. He can't move because yeah. <laughs> it is like a weird
0: lucid dream almost yeah. uh part of like how they wrote it. It felt kind of like a lucid dream. And he's just writing like, yeah, and I couldn't move. Uh it definitely one thing that really stood out for me, like, I didn't really get that, like I can see what you're saying, but like when reading it, I didn't really get that vibe from it. I'd probably have to like really oh, I don't know, like, analyze their interactions. Yeah. Like, I do understand, like, how the, how the conversations went, but...
1: And, you know, for their time, that that's not exactly how one would see it. But, like, But nowadays, looking at it from a modern perspective, a I get... A yeah, perspective, yeah, I see I some does... homoerotic undertones. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also something that's, that's very shocking is that in the book, Dracula is never a young and sexy human being. Nope. He is, <laughs> He's an old man. <laughs> but first he's just a really frail old man and then like slowly as he feeds throughout the throughout the stories he becomes more he becomes he becomes younger, but he still is He looks
0: healthier. Like he's described earlier on as as you said a frail old man uh but as the story goes on and you realize that he's feeding off of Jonathan uh, he does like, there are moments where Jonathan writes about how he begins to like look and appear more like healthy and just a tad younger, but like nothing yeah. super dramatic. It's like a slow change.
1: Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then there's another really some surprising thing is that there's a lot of, again, this was written in the Victorian era, so all these ideas are ideas that were very much present or at least with thought of a lot of thought of a lot of, that's a bad word. Yeah.
0: No, it was, it was in the forefront of everyone's minds
1: yeah. at the time. Um, regarding female sexuality <laughs> because when, so in the book, Dracula feeds on young Lucy and as he feeds on her, um, she slowly begins to die. And as she starts to die, Van Helsing and, um, Quincy and who was the, uh, the other san- uh, sanitarium Seward like. Seward 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 yeah Seward <laughs> um, like drain their like transfuse their blood to her to keep mm. her alive and keep her more alive and then in the like at night Dracula just comes back drains the blood and then she's back to the way she is and they keep doing this over and over again and there are a lot of parallels to like the like the Victorian male idea of, like, giving everything you have to your wife and your mm-hmm. wife just sucking it all away,
0: which <laughs> well, is... Well, also, it, the... the I, like, from a uh, Victorian perspective, a woman's, uh, like, sexual behavior... It was dictated by society's rigid expectations. So a Victorian woman had, like, two options. She was either thought of as, like, a virgin, a model of purity and innocence, or she was... A wife and a mother. If she wasn't like if she wasn't any of these, she was considered a whore and thus like not a con like nothing of consequence to society. So in the book as um, they kind of play with that because Mina and Lucy at the beginning are very pure and innocent. Like when Jonathan writes to Mina, he's always like frames like his uh thoughts and of of her as just like this pure human being just like this pure woman who's like uh, the best of the best basically. He's just like yeah, you're cool beans. I'm about it. But I also in just like a very Victorian puritanical way which is like annoying. But um, as the story goes on as Lucy's being drained she begins to change uh, her personality and how she acts begins to change. She's no longer considered very pure or innocent, and then when she becomes like a vampire, she's very much like what the Victorians would consider like wanton and very in tune with like her sexuality, which she uses to like lure victims. So yes. that would that is considered like and it's if... very frowned upon, and in Victorian society, it's like. Yeah. There's you that. being in tune with your sexuality. How dare no, how no, dare you?
1: No. What is a penis? Like <laughs> <laughs> what is a penis? So yes, yeah. I, I totally agree with you there. And um another thing that's shocking is that in Dracula, sunlight is never shown as being something that can kill a vampire. Mm-hmm. That's a relatively new idea. That was something that was brought up in um, nosferatu which i'm about to get into uh but for for one that the the idea that like the only thing that can kill a vampire is sunlight sunlight will kill the vampire (laughs) that's not that's not at all what it was like in the original book there were some in the
0: original book how they killed uh
1: how they killed the um
0: how they killed dracula dracula i was gonna say vampire but then i was thinking dracula and so it was, like, my brain was, like, fighting. Which word? Yelled old wooden stake. <laughs> yeah, the wooden stake. And um, that's how they killed him. And then wasn't it, it was soil from sacred ground. That's what they used to bury his casket, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Trying yeah, to, one of the like, things,
1: and this is actually a really interesting thing. Which is thing something else. that's
0: not really seen anymore yeah. in vampire stories, which is, like, sacred soil. Is like,
1: uh it's like the stake is more dramatic. Like, there's that, that, and there's the fact that, like, a couple of the adaptations have dealt with it, but it's still relatively not known that well. Is that, like, a vampire technically cannot leave the land that he is from? Mm-hmm. But the way that these vampires find a loophole is that they bring boxes upon boxes of their own earth with them, yeah, and then that's the loophole. So that's why, in a bunch of different versions including Nosferatu and the Bram Stoker version he comes to he comes back when he when he comes to London he's like in a casket that's filled with his soil yeah and as long as he has this place that is legally his place <laughs> and he has the soil with him he can wander and do his thing and that's the fine so that yep. that was a fa- fascinating small part I'm going to get a little bit more into Nosferatu right now. Well,
0: the history of Dracula in film. Mm-hmm. Um, Jumping so, straight into that. <laughs> take a dive. <laughs> well, so, before we get it, like, oh, yeah, you already mentioned the that the bef- the first motion picture Dracula's, that featured Dracula yeah. was Dracula's death. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it
1: was considered... Hungarian 1921.
0: Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily really... It was not really an adaptation of Stoker's novel but it did feature dracula dracula yeah.
1: so the one that like the, the one of the big ones that everybody yeah. knows about is nosferatu um it's a, a symphony of horror is the, the second title card for it it was written and directed by fw Murnau, and it's an unauthorized adaptation of dracula it's so much so that when um they put out the film um, Prana Film put out the film in like internationally, and when they did that, um, Florence Stoker found out, and they had been unable to. They they didn't think of getting permission.
0: Yeah, because at, well, at the what time, the screenwriter copywriting... uh, Henrik Gallen did, he uh, he was told to like alter like numerous details of the script to avoid legal trouble. they were, they were like, we're gonna do this anyway, but like let's just kind of tr- make it look like we tried. Uh, so they changed several of the characters' names and drops uh, they dropped uh, Lucy and all of her suitors uh, and uh, but that didn't really stop Florence uh, Stoker from like still suing, suing them. them. So yeah, so she sued Prana films and all the and all the copies of the film were ordered to be destroyed. However, the company was like ban- bankrupt and Stoker, like she only received like her legal fees and damages. So like she didn't really get much out of
1: it. Yeah. So it wasn't until the early nineteen sixties when another cop when more another copy was found. Oh, okay. At that point, because Florence had been dead for a while, and um, the rights I can't remember exactly who had the rights to Dracula at that point.
0: I think it went to when Universal got the rights. Um, from what I can remember, was that. They didn't do, like, from trying to get, like, a copyright, like, in America, like, they messed up on some level, and then it they realized, oh, wait, oops, this is in public domain.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so so just, they so... didn't
0: really do their paperwork right, and they accidentally <laughs> yep. the character and story in public domain. That's also the
1: same story with Night of the Living Dead, but that's another <laughs> story. So um, Nosferatu became like um, max shrek um, whose name whose name literally means terror like shrek is terror yeah. shrek is terror is evil. no <laughs> <laughs> no so um um he was a stage actor in germany and he did this whole like the way that he would get into character and it was actually kind of funny. there's a there's a film that's somewhat based on the movie but it's very loosely it's called shadow of the vampire Mm-hmm. And it stars Willem, it stars uh, John Malkovich as um, F. W. Murnau and Willem Dafoe as Orlok. And it what makes it interesting is that like it's the idea that he was an actual vampire, huh. and they hired him to to play a vampire. And it's it's really cool. I don't want to get too much into it because it really has nothing to do with the, <laughs> what we're talking about. But it definitely is something that like. If anyone of you were like really into love Nosferatu, you should check out Shadow of the Vampire. It's a really fantastic little movie. So
0: Mm.
1: after that, another big film, um, right? Yeah. So around the twenties, Dracula suddenly started to get more notice as like this really popular type of a book and popular stage adaptation. It got more popular as a stage adaptation than a book. So there were versions on Broadway. Um, off broadway on Broadway for a while there was um, there were stories about like the, um, the bat and um, the idea that like for a while it was uh, like mystery mystery movies or mystery mystery plays but then by the end of the mystery, of the play you realize that oh it wasn't a real bat it was like somebody in a disguise or something like that so the idea that this was something where it was actually um, Dracula turns into a bat mm-hmm. on stage. And there's actually some really cool stories about how they did the effects for that. Mm-hmm. Um, among the actors that were that played Dracula on stage on Broadway was a Hungarian actor in his mid-30s, and his name was Bela Lugosi. So Universal decided to get on the bandwagon and do a film adaptation of Dracula, and the script was based almost entirely off of the play, so you get Carl Emley put up the money, and it was one of his last productions he did with Universal before he died, and his son took over. Um, put down the money to do Dracula, and they got the rights for it, thankfully. And um, <laughs> this time, this time they got the rights, <laughs> and they hi- they hired Bale Lugosi mm-hmm. to portray him um dwight fry played renfield who we haven't really talked about him yet but um and then um, edward van Sloan played uh, van helsing mm-hmm. so oh and for those who don't know who renfield is he's a
0: character who you find out in the book uh, who actually used to work for dracula but then he went mad because dracula you know
1: drove him crazy drove
0: him crazy <laughs> So he's locked in a psych ward, uh, and he basically eats. He eats. He eats eats, flies. He eats flies, rats. So there's actually like a condition now that's that's named after him because like there are people who do like eat flies and rats and all that stuff, and they're like that's
1: Renfield. Actually, they're perfectly nutritious.
0: (laughs) So, but yeah, there's fun fact. That's that's yeah. There's a Mm -hmm. actual condition that's named after fictional character. So,
1: but yeah. So, so what makes this Dracula film? There are two things that I find really fascinating about. Oh, and
0: also the just to cut in, like this film came out in
1: 1931.
0: 1931. Yes. Keep our timeline. Yes. So, what
1: two things that I find fascinating about this production is at the time there were two versions of the film shot. So, in the daytime, the um, the American actor, the the English actors would come in. They would do their Mm -hmm. scenes. And everything, and at night, they had an all Spanish cast and crew who filmed a Spanish version. So, because Universal Pictures was getting into international marketing, and to them, they it was a lot easier to just shoot a whole new movie rather than get subtitles. Yeah. (laughs) So, to me, I find the Spanish version to be a lot better than uh, the American the the one that everybody knows for the sake that a lot of the crew they'd show up to on set a little earlier. So they'd get to watch them make the movie and they would see some of these scenes and like, we can do better than that. (laughs) So there are certain scenes that just like the way they're shot, the way they're put together and the way the effects are done are a lot like more impressive than what universal was able to do for the regular ones. So, you ever get a chance, like, the Spanish version is available with most formats these days. And it's just, it's such a cool little, little thing. So, <clears throat> the second thing that I find fascinating is that this film came out right smack dab in the middle of the Great Depression. At a time when the last thing people were thinking about were going to the movies. Yet it still became, it was part one, of the came out during the one year where... Hollywood started to make a profit in the 30s, rather than uh, lose money, because I mean it was hard to market. It was hard to market and sell films in a time when people couldn't do it. Yeah. So, Dracula was part of that. People would go out because they were excited. They wanted to see this crazy movie, and the actor Bela Lugosi, it was his big break. However, he also it also kind of doomed him. He even said himself that like it was a blessing and a curse. Because he was able to get so much work in the 30s and early 40s. But then, once he started to age a little faster, uh, people didn't want him anymore. And then he started to get typecast in these really bad, cheesy movies. Including his last known film role, which was in the classic Plan 9 from Outer Space. <laughs> so... He had so he had a lot of trouble. He's also this is another weird little fun fact um, was one of the first actors to come forward about his drug addiction in the '60s. Huh. Um, he had a severe morphine addiction. So if you ever watch the movie Ed Wood, they get really into it and the fact of how how it was damaging him. So that's a little uh, you fun. learn
0: something new every day. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> so I'm gonna speak very um, shortly about the next two because we want to get into Bram Stoker's yeah. Dracula. So
0: that's the one we're going to like really we're going to dive into. into.
1: <laughs> so um
0: So the any- next one is Horror Dracula, which was another like keep in mind that during this time period there were a lot of like smaller horror films that were coming out that had the character of Dracula and there was also so um like there was a lot of horror films that were coming out during like the 30s and 40s but um the ones that we're talking about now are kind of like the main pictures that had the main popular ones of the character Dracula and that were to an extent similar to the book. So The Horror of Dracula, which came out in 1957, it was a British, by a British film company, Hammer Film Productions. And uh, to follow the success of their previous film, The Curse of Frankenstein, uh, no, sorry. Yeah, followed... Yeah, so they um, released in the U.S. the horror of uh, Dracula, which was directed by Terrence Fisher, and it featured Christopher Lee as Dracula and Peter Cushing as Van Helsing. So it was an international hit for Hammer Film. It was huge, and yeah, and then it fixed <clears throat> Lee as like the image of a fanged vampire in popular culture. Like, yeah, that was a that was a role that really helped.
1: It helped him. It also. Lee was lucky in that he came like when he in his old, when he got older, he started to get more work because of people who respected him for what he had done. Mm-hmm. Definitely in movies like Tim Burton and uh, John Landis, even where um, they would they would have him in the they would put him in their his movies as well as some some like like Peter Jackson even mm-hmm. um, giving him really big parts in. Some of these other, some of these older movies. So in a way, Christopher Lee has had a really great, um, a great, a great like fifty or sixty years in acting. In that he's found something, he found he he found an he found a niche, and he found a way to get to use that niche and continue to be that cult like actor. Yeah. So that was. Um, one of Hammer's biggest um, successes, and it was and it was that movie that gave them the ability to be successful over the next few years as they put out more and more, but um, far more bloody uh, <laughs> horror films till the mid nineteen seventies. So the next one is a direct remake of the nineteen twenty two silent film called Nosferatu: Phantom der Nacht, um, which was directed by Werner Herzog. And it's a, as I said, direct remake of the silent film. And it stars the famous German actor Klaus Kinski as Dracula, Isabel Ajani as um, Lucy Harker, and Bruno Gans as Jonathan Harker. So in this one, again, a kind of a fascinating piece, there were two versions of the film shot at the same time. There was was a a version in English and a version in German. And both of them are just as creepy, just as good. (laughs) And they're shot by shot, so no matter how you're feeling any day, you could just put on whichever version you want to watch. So, this one has um, there's a lot more mysticism kind of involved. Um, There's a really cool bit where like the movie opens up with um, these like film of mummies, like old mummies from like they were found in like I believe it was Eastern Europe, European mummies. Mm -hmm. I can't exactly remember. But really, it was really kind of like fascinating how Herzog took it on and made it a real art house film. It's it's a real art house horror film, and it's a good little. Uh, it's a good one to watch on Halloween. It's not it's not the world's perfect horror film, but just the way like how much work went into it, the costumes, the production design, all of it. Spicy meatball. <laughs> spicy meatball. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, with yeah. that. Let's get into... Let's really finally dive in. <laughs> to Bram Stoker's... Dracula. Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992, directed by Francis Ford Coppola.
0: And it's... Yeah, it's truly a gothic horror film. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, first off, can we just dive into that art direction?
1: Oh, my It Christ. is... <laughs>
0: Those costumes are insane like um one thing when I first watched the film because I watched it I've only seen it twice like uh recently to like kind of reintroduce myself to it and then I think I was like thirteen when I first watched it and what really I, one thing that really struck me from like art direction perspective was um the Dracula's armor, which looks like... It looks like muscle, like just sinews, and it's yes. it's really disturbing because it's like this dark, like kind of blood red, and it looks like muscle. And then also, like I, I just have to get into when talking about <laughs> things that really stand out about like when it, when it comes to art in this film is Dracula's hair when he's older and you when you first meet him, the white butt cheeks. The so it it honestly does. <laughs> I mentioned it earlier to Mac, but I was like, <laughs> you know, his butt cheek hair. And I <laughs> his butt cheek hair. But oh, God. it does make a statement. It's very memorable. <laughs> Even though it's probably not what they want the viewer to walk away with. No. <laughs> because it's just curled up in such a way. But, uh, no, they did. Uh, <laughs> moving thick. on. It's thick. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it no they did do a, actually like a wonderful job when it came to the costumes and um just the props in this film like everything feels just it feels very gothic mhm very gothic and uh just the reds stand out like there is kind of like a continual like motif of red um and one thing that we um, were talking about earlier was just the practical effects that they used. Yes. The There's a specific scene when Harker's on the train, and what they did was they... Uh, and then it fades into... Um, doesn't it fade into... Shoot, his eye. There's, like, yes, the eyes in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but what they did was they built a small-scale train... And then they had, like, they made the painted background. And they, like, actually built, like, these effects. Instead of, like, having... And then there's a scene where there's uh, rats that are running on the ceiling. They they filmed the rats, like, running, but then they just fil- yeah, like, they flipped, flipped it. it. Yeah. So there's just a lot of stuff like that. They um... did the
1: same thing for um, some of the sequences where, like, um, Dracula's... Um crawling across the uh, edge of the castle Mm -hmm. where they just kind of they filmed him actually like on the ground and they just flipped it and there's a lot of amazing practical effects i'm a little disappointed this film didn't get an oscar nomination just for um just for the um the the special effects because yeah they weren't like really beautiful visual computer effects but they showed how great these little These um, practicals were. And Mm -hmm. that's exactly what Coppola wanted. He wanted to make them look like the old school effects from the 40s and 50s and show that they can still hold up very well. And they do. Um, Most of the film, the effects have aged very well. There's a few computer effects that haven't aged the best, but... But they're very, like... They're very minimal.
0: Yeah. the, The pure effects, like, they're very minimal compared to the actual, like, effects. So, um... Oh, uh, going back to the the shot, like, I wanted to kind of actually go deeply into this. So the train part, um, so when he's sitting, when Jonathan Harker's sitting on the train, on to, like he's looking at a map, but it looks like it's superimposed on his face, but this was actually a live effect where they projected the image onto Keanu Reeves' face on set. So, like, one, that just seems very extra, but also it just looks fantastic, too, because it does hold up. And then about the Dracula's eyes. So they Dracula's eyes look like they mater, uh, mysteriously appear in the sky. Um, and they watch, like, Harker as he travels. So they did this by combining three separate shots. So they first had a shot of Gary Oldman's, Oldman's eyes uh, that was done with him wearing special, like, makeup. So that his eyes would only be visible when the image was projected onto the sky background. The next shot was the production of the eyes onto the background of the Carpathian Mountain mountain set. Uh, and then they have a the shot taken of uh, Reeve sitting in the train with the combined background eye shot rear projected through the window. Yes. So, and that, yeah, it's just like a lot of small, like, details like that that help, I guess, uh, one, help the film, like, age well too because there's a lot of films where sometimes the practical effects do take you out of it because they don't uh not the practical effects the cgi does take you out of it because it doesn't hold up as what we consider now is good
1: um as i said before though the movie won three academy awards for best costume design for I'm gonna. I'm terrible at pronouncing. These. I'm so. I'm so sorry if you're listening to this. <laughs> Probably um, isn't. But um, best sound editing like... for Tom C. McCarthy and best makeup for Greg Can Canham, Michelle Burke, and Matthew Mungle. Um Just, I love the makeup. Um, I think it's like incredible, especially like how they how they made Gary Oldman look so old.
0: Mm-hmm. he then... doesn't like you. Don't really notice that it's Gary Oldman. Which I think is a good thing for noticeable actors that even if they're not covered in makeup, that it's good to, you know, they're doing a good job when you forget that they are who they are, you know? Yes, absolutely. And even when he's not covered in, like, copious amounts of makeup, it doesn't look like it, but obviously he spent a lot of time in that makeup chair, Um, you still, like, believe him to be Dracula, I do have to say though, his hair in this whole film is ridiculous. It is. It is just it goes, so it extra. It goes from
1: white ass cheeks to um, to long, luscious locks. Like it's just like pan, romance straight a, novel shit.
0: Straight out of like a Pantene commercial. Just
1: like,
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like honestly,
1: yes. Oh. And I guess, I but don't... it does work though in, it does. in the
0: grand scheme of things.
1: Like in a way, this movie is a big style over substance. Mm. And among the main things of what kind of ruins the substance of the film is that um, they make him younger, they make him sexy, and they well, they throw in the love story. So in in the Francis Ford Coppola version, um, they make it so Dracula and. Uh, Mina fall in love with each other and there's like there are some things that that it actually kind of works because like in the book Van Helsing and his people um, Van Helsing and um, Harker and the others they open the doors to find Mina sucking the blood out of Dracula from his chest and there's this whole scene where um they come in and like it before that it's um, Gary Oldman and and Mina sort of like having this this moment where they're so where they're together because earlier on in the film they meet and they become they become close and mm-hmm. um, is there, so like I said there's a lot of stuff where they actually pretty night pretty in a really good way snuck in like stuff that was directly out of the book and make it made it work with this with the whole change of the romance
0: yeah I like also Coppola like he did when approaching the film like uh i read that he kind of wanted several scenes of it to be kind of like a almost like a erotic dream and there are aspects of it that do feel like way when um in the castle there's the when Harker first meets the three vampire brides wives like just like how they're shot it's very it is kind of erotic and then there's the bit where, uh, I think it's Lucy, isn't she, yeah, she's having sex with a werewolf. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> a scene, because um,
1: there's a part in the book where Mina is like, she has this like nightmare, mm-hmm. where like she sees, uh, in the book it's, um, she sees this wolf that's running around mm-hmm. with Lucy. But in the book, bu- in, in the movie, <laughs> in the movie, it's Lucy getting humped on the
0: on this, <laughs> That's on, on one the, way to put it, yeah. Getting humped on the
1: <laughs> on the. Okay, they're they're having sex. Yes, <laughs> they're having sex. They're
0: having sex,
1: and he's a giant like wolf beast, wolf it's man. It's supposed thing.
0: to be Dracula, which yeah. in the book he didn't turn into a wolf. Like, well, he did. Well, he. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did.
1: But, like, <laughs> he, was he like... He took many different shapes, many different forms. He took the form of rats. He took oh, the form yeah. of the wolf, because there was the, the wolf that got lo- loose at the uh, local zoo. Yeah, I remember. And yeah. then um, he also, there are more obviously, he takes the form of a bat. And if you've ever seen the 9- 2013 Dracula, directed by Dario Argento, he turns into a giant praying mantis. But we're going to go into <laughs> we're that. We're going to forget about that. <laughs> we're going to forget that it never happened. So, yeah, there, he's having sex with her in this giant this wolf thing. And, and there's just, like,
0: other scenes where they really play up sexuality.
1: Yes. Um, when Lucy gets bit, and, like, as she's reacting to being bitten by Dracula, she, she uh, this, is the, I, this always takes me out of the film a bit, is when she's all she's doing is like these orgasmic moaning as she's rolling around on the bed, and they're trying to give her a blood transfusion. I'm just like, um, mm, 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 no, this does not fit. <laughs> it's does not. Um, but going to the performances, um, Gary Oldman as Dracula is, is it's slightly sympathetic portrayal of him.
0: Definitely, like you do. They they try to like build up his story as to um, where you do feel kind of sympathetic for him because he's like he lost everything he became a vampire like not by choice
1: he became a vampire as a sort of revenge as, because well yeah his wife because his, his wife ended up um, killing herself when she got false news of his death and he was really pissed off because they, to him, it was like how dare I just fought for this church and this is how God repays me by killing my yeah. my beloved and then he's like I, I renounce God and um a scene I don't know how it works exactly he, he takes his sword he stabs a cross and it just starts bleeding and he just drinks the blood from there and that's yeah. how he becomes a vampire doesn't really explain how that how, how that works but you know but it looked interesting it looked cool <laughs> it looked freaking yeah, cool yeah when I saw that <laughs> when I saw that scene when I was nine years old I'm like oh my god that's terrifying but now I'm like eh. <laughs> like so Gary Oldman's fantastic. Winona Ryder is surprisingly very good. This was during a point when um, a lot of act, a lot of like critics and executives were not sure how well she would fare outside of the eighties. Yeah. Um, as because you know she had just done she had done Heather's a few year like a year or two earlier. Um, she had just dropped out of The Godfather Part Three because originally she was going to play the role that uh, Coppola's daughter Sophia took, mm-hmm. but she backed out the last minute and. Um, she was afraid that Coppola was angry at her for it but in fact he was not he totally understood what, what, what happened so she met with him for like dinner at one point and it was at this dinner that he that she gave him this copy of this Dracula script which would well, I believe James Hart um, the, the writer um Hart got the uh, writer got the script from Hart
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and she was like, um, I'm sorry I couldn't be in this movie, but I really would like you to look at the script, and Coppola really, really liked um, all the sensual elements, and as he said it before, he wanted portions of the picture to resemble an erotic dream, and a lot of the film feels like parts of an erotic dream. Um, a really trippy one. A very trippy <laughs> like... one. Um, but it's, it's still, the one, so, so there's that, there's um, Anthony Hopkins as Van Helsing, fantastic. Oh yeah. Um, even the bit parts. Tom Waits plays Renfield, and it's awesome. It's Renfield.
0: Like, like watching the film, like he is a very unsettling character. Oh just, yes. And how he plays Renfield, and how he's just like hunched over. All and... the
1: preparations have been made, master. Oh, it's just <laughs> it's, fa- it's Fantastic. Um, there's also like, great. is that my spine. <laughs> there's great bit parts by Carrie Elwies as Quincy. I believe it, that was, he was Quincy. Yeah, he was Quincy. Um, and Richard E. Grant played, oh God, the sanitarium guy. Why can't I think of his name? Seward. Seward. Yes, Seward. It's um, such a weird name. It's like I want to say Stewart, but it's not. Stewart. It's not. Stewart. <laughs> um, but yes, fa- all of it's fantastic except for one actor. And as much as I love this actor, he was really not. De- he wasn't the best. He was, and that is Keanu Reeves. Keanu, I love you, dude. I love you, but this was not a good role for you. It
0: just it felt very
1: bizarre. It was bizarre, <gasps> also for the time,
0: also for the yeah, and just I don't know, just Keanu Reeves.
1: <laughs> just, it just it was, didn't
0: like. Compared to the rest of the cast, he just
1: felt very, like... Excellent. (laughs) No. Excellent, dude. He, um... This was his first big role outside of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And maybe Bogus Journey. I can't remember. I think... But but everybody knew him from Bill and Ted. And so the idea... When they found out that he was cast in this movie, they were like, Huh. And like his accent's not very good. And yeah, I know he gets a lot of shit because apparently he doesn't do a lot of work on his accent in his movies. But you know, Kevin Costner does the same thing. But that's <laughs> we're that's another story for another. Not to day. throw shade, not to throw Kevin shade. Kevin
0: Costner, step up your game. I love you, Kevin Costner.
1: <laughs> so,
0: but, um, no, not... yeah, his accent does like throw you off. He's it's kind of hard to get into his character because he plays he kind of is very monotone throughout the whole thing um and honestly like he's sometimes his performance can be
1: just a tiny bit forgettable Mm -hmm. absolutely but like he was trying he was trying (laughs) i give him i give him kudos for that another interesting part is that um we're bringing back a lot of the erotic stuff so like in the book um harker Is like attacked by his by Dracula's brides in this movie. He's not really really attacked, more of yeah, he's like he's basically being seduced, seduced to death, yeah. And um, they're like,
0: Look at our lovely parts, look at our look at my (laughs) boobies,
1: look at my ass, look at my
0: parts, look at my parts, (laughs) let me drink your blood. And it's very much like that. Like, aren't, they're floating, like, it's a scene where, like, like they're floating from, like, yeah, from Yeah, they're up. floating
1: out of the beds and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and it's. It's really it, cool. It's
0: very visually, like, interesting to watch. There uh, is one
1: really creepy scene, though, and that's the scene um, relatively um, right after that where Dracula is, is with the with the brides. Uh-huh. And They ask him like, oh, "Are we to have nothing tonight?" And he brings out the baby, oh, and you yeah. hear you overhear the baby screaming in pain as they drink its blood. And it was like, "Oh!" <laughs> and that's like an exact thing that was in the book. So yeah, I was happy to see that. Yeah, the one thing uh, about
0: this film is it's it's not a perfect adaptation, but it does work as an adaptation. Like it, yeah. like someone who uh, who approached like approaches like book-to-film adaptations from, like, the book is the best. I will, like, hate the film if it's not directly like the book. Like, someone who comes from that kind of standpoint couldn't can actually enjoy this film if they've read the book f- before. Like, it's not that far off from the book. A lot of elements from the book, a lot of scenes from the book are in the film. They've just been kind of changed to... Mm to give off a different tone or a different, like, or mainly it's been changed because of style. Yeah. Like, there's a certain, you can tell with this film that he had a certain style and vision in mind, and he changed the book to fit that style. Yeah. And it works. It it does work. work. Like, uh, as you said, um, because we were talking about this earlier, like, uh, Max said, uh, it's not a perfect adaptation, but what it lacks in stops substance, it makes up for in style.
1: <laughs> yes, and
0: I can't agree more. Like, uh, if like for certain things in the uh, in the book, whereas like, uh, well, that's not really right, but like it works. It's because it the film is so like visually interesting and like they do a lot of fun stuff with shadows, where the shadows don't like. obey physics like shadows lengthen and like stretch and they they kind of just do their own thing which is really which adds to like this
1: creepy gothic like vibe absolutely absolutely and um i love how i mean like in the end it follows it pretty closely until like the very end where yeah you know they they end up back in Romania. They're chasing Dracula, so they can't get him back to the castle because then he'll have yet full power. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Quincy is killed in the in the fight, and um, they manage to kill Dracula by staking him through the heart. However, which um, I think it works a little bit better in this movie is that how they kind of bring the 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 romance between the two of them full circle. So. The reason that Dracula likes Mina in this movie is because she—he reminds her of his first wife. Elisabetta. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he ends up back in his old church, I think it's the church of the castle, whatever. Yeah, um, he suddenly becomes young again, as an old as 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 he used to be. He's like, "Give me peace," and like the like this moment of. True clarity, and like as as uh, Mina says, like there in the eyes of God for God to watch, mm-hmm. and um, finishes he finishes her off, she finishes him off, and then finishes the job by decapitating him. And just the way that it the way it's shot, I mean, it's beautifully shot. And the end, there's the whole there's like the the mural on the on the top of the wall of him with his with his dead wife, just mm-hmm. beautiful and. It-
0: It does do, like, this film does do a good job of, like, the changes that they do make from the book, they do wrap them up neatly. Whereas, like, sometimes with adaptations, (laughs) they make changes, but then they don't wrap them up.
1: (laughs) Golden compass. Like...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I have a lot of things to say about that,
1: but yeah. (laughs) Quite so, quite so. Uh So, I guess we've said pretty much everything we can about it. Well, yeah, it's...
0: Again, it's not the it's not a perfect adaptation uh it well i I don't think there can ever be a true perfect adaptation because there are a lot of things in books that don't translate well to screen but um like besides that like this film does do a good job of keeping the feeling a bit like they do emphasize things more because they're going for a certain style and look Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but it is since it is so stylized, it is it is very enjoyable to watch.
1: Uh huh. It's just you cannot deny how beautiful it is to look at. Yeah,
0: and we, you can enjoy it through
1: multiple watchings too. Yes, absolutely. So tell me, Selena, do we have a do we have a book for next week? For the we next two weeks,
0: book slash film. Yes, uh, we will be talking about Tintin, Oh. which is a favorite of mine. I will. I am. I apologize. Beforehand, because I will be fangirling like nobody's business. This is as my you can shit. tell.
1: Dracula was my shit. For this this one. Tintin this is, is my sh- shit. Y'all have no idea how much she talks about <laughs> Tintin, and I cannot wait to get into it. So, with that being said, uh, see you next time. And this has been time to adapt. <laughs>